Welcome to Revealing Jesus. Are you hungry to learn more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? I am your host, Christina Pereira, lover of Jesus, apostolic leader, licensed and ordained minister, author, podcaster, and kingdom party planner. Did you know that the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus? And that simply means the more we learn about our beautiful Savior, the more we will experience all He died to give us. Join me for all things the King and His Kingdom, including revelatory teaching, interviews with five-fold ministers, media leaders, authors, and more. Come discover the beauty of God displayed all across the body of Christ. Together, we are revealing more of Jesus to a hurting world today. I'm going to make prayer a priority. And as you begin to pray, you're going to see things begin to happen. And you're going to realize the power of it. And you're going to enjoy the presence of it. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Go For Ministries, who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services, who does all of our financial accounting. Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained. And Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up and don't know what to get them? Well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to ChristinaPereira.org slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me today. He is a pastor and the assistant general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And he is the author of the new book, In Jesus' Name, Five Altars of Prayer That Move Heaven and Earth. I have with me here today, Rick DuBose. Rick, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's good to be here with you and thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, you know, all things in Jesus' name, right? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well said. So I've loved getting to read through your book, and I'm excited to talk about that. But before we get started, since this is revealing Jesus, I have to ask you how you met our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Yeah, great question. It all started, you know, I have to go back a generation because my father, at the age of 17, had a real encounter at his church after being a a pretty rough kid. His mother became pregnant with him before she was married. He then grew up rough and difficult. But at the age of 17, he had an encounter with God at a Assemblies of God church in Meridian, Mississippi, wow. shifted his life. And uh, he ended up coming to Dallas to uh, go to Bible school, felt called into the ministry. While there, met my mom, 
shortly after they got married, I was born. So I grew up in the home of this man who had had a divine encounter with God that shifted everything. He would end up becoming a pastor, and I would grow up in the church he pastored. So I'm a preacher's kid. So I have that. It's it's on my resume. I can't deny it. (laughs) So I grew up hearing the messages. I grew up at the prayer meetings. I grew up at the women's meetings that mom would drag me to as a little boy before school started, you know, before I was old enough for school. And I grew up in it at about seven or eight. I realized I had to make my own decision and I had the awareness and the understanding and I received Jesus as my savior. In my teen years, though, I didn't live that out real well. I did other things. And the mercy of God, one night, one night I was in my pickup truck. I was about 20 years old and I was doing some work that required a pickup. So I'm in a truck that evening uh, after doing some things I probably shouldn't have been doing. I shouldn't have been doing. Let's leave it at that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me very strong. And he said, you know, I've got a plan for your life. You made a commitment to you you've not kept, to me, that you've not kept. And you're going to mess up the whole plan, including your eternity, if you don't get right with me right now. It was such a dynamic moment that I shook Mm. in the reality of what he was saying to me. I knew him. I knew his word. I'd grown up in church. I had all of that. But it still has to be a personal moment that you really keep, that you make and plan to keep that commitment. And that moment I did, I knelt over the steering wheel of that pickup and I said, all right, God, I'm yours 100%. I don't know what it means, but I'm here. And the rest of the ride has been incredible. So Mm -hmm. that's a bit of my moment. I love that so much. I was just sitting here thinking, I wonder how many people have leaned over the steering wheel of a pickup truck and said, yes, God. That's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) probably there's probably thousands of us that have have had that moment it's amazing i love to hear stories and testimonies because each one of us is going to hear something that we can relate to i mean it's it's amazing to me and i think when we hear testimonies from all of these people all over the world laying their lives down for jesus you can't listen to this and not realize that he is really living and active and alive today And it's amazing to me. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I've loved reading through your book, In Jesus' Name, Five Altars of Prayer That Move Heaven and Earth. And prayer is so essential today. I've had so many conversations on this podcast over the last few months about how God wants to use prayer in this next revival and this next great awakening that's happening now and is increasing. And so I'm excited to talk about this because prayer isn't just something that the really spiritual people up at top get to pray. It's something that Jesus taught us, all of us to pray. So let's talk about that. You had a pretty radical encounter in the throne room with regards to the power of prayer. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, Christina. I was already pastoring and the church was a a healthy church moving forward. Good things were happening. We had prayer. We had all the stuff you do and, and people were being saved and baptisms were taking place. It was a good church. But our national denominational leader had called for a meeting of pastors asking us to come together in a national sense for a national prayer meeting. I thought that's a great idea. We're going to participate. So I put my staff in our church van and off we went and uh, <laughs> we came to Springfield, Missouri, where our headquarters are. And we joined the prayer meeting. Well, they set it up so that we could have a six o'clock prayer time privately at the church. 
I showed up for the six o'clock prayer meeting with my team. And uh, we walked in and kind of spread out over this large auditorium and uh, found our spots. And they had quiet music in the background. The lights were low. The atmosphere was ready. And we all had our own prayer time. As I was kneeling down that morning, this is what happened. And as I was kneeling down, kind of under the edge of the balcony of that church, uh, I said to the Lord, I want to come into your throne room this morning. Mm-hmm. Now, I base that on Hebrews' declaration that we should boldly approach the throne of grace. But what happened was a little different than what I expected. As I was kneeling down, the Lord began to give me a revelation of the throne room in action. He showed me, and with everything he would reveal to me, he would give me the scripture so that I realized I wasn't the first one to have an understanding of this, that those that had written the word of God had written about experiences and they had given insight. It was there all the time, but suddenly the word of God became clear to me about what the throne room was. So it starts like this. My view of the throne room began in what I call a mezzanine or balcony level, where I was by a banister, so to speak. And as I looked over below me, I could see the throne of God to my left, and then a large circle. And that circle beginning at the right hand of God was filled in with the 24 thrones, which is what John describes in Revelation. Mm -hmm. He said the throne of God surrounded by 24 thrones. Well, in my view, started at his right hand, made a large circle and came back around to his left hand which also scripture holds that there's those at the right hand of God in the circle. So in the circle of the earth, that's one of those key phrases that I remembered. When I saw that, I immediately knew what it was. I immediately knew this is what John saw. Here's where it begins to shift on me. As I looked in the center of the circle, I saw again what John describes in Revelation as the sea of glass. But when I saw this sea of glass, this is what I had never understood before. I could see through the glass and see the entire earth. I could see every part of the earth revealed in heaven. I remembered immediately by the Holy Spirit that that the word of God declares the heavens are God's throne, but the earth is his footstool. His feet rested on that sea of glass and everything there or in the earth, his feet was resting upon it. I just kind of sat there trying to figure out what does this mean? And while I'm watching this, while I'm seeing this, while while it's been revealed to me that this is a design of the kingdom of heaven, two things happened. One was that Jesus, I saw him walking on the sea of glass. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't in the throne with the father at that time, but was walking on the sea of glass. I remembered then that the scripture declared, again, John writes that Jesus moved among the candlesticks, which is the churches. So Jesus was moving around on the glass, moving among the churches and the people. Mm. I then noticed Jesus doing again what Hebrews teaches us, interceding or praying or standing in the gap for us, interceding before the Father. And as he was praying to the Father, he would stop, stand in a place, pray an intercessory prayer back toward the throne of God. And when he would, things would begin to happen. One of the other things I picked up on was that Jesus's prayer was very dynamic, but it had more than volume. Well, John said his voice sounded like many waters. I got that, the volume of it, but the many was more important to me than the volume. 
because he was able to pray thousands and thousands of prayers at one time, that he was bringing forth so much intercession before the Father that there was no way in the natural I could understand or keep up. I wasn't even sure if it was all in one language. It was so dynamic and so exciting that I just had to stand in amazement watching the kingdom of heaven in the throne room operate. Then it dawned on me that as he was praying, there were angels that were ascending from above me and were in response to the prayer, in response to the Father's response to the prayer of Jesus. These angels were being sent to assignments, sometimes a thousand at a time, sometimes one or two, but it was a dynamic action. All I know was God was trying to teach me something and was revealing something to me so that I could understand more than I had prior. So as these angels would pass me, I looked up. And again, I remembered what John said. John said that the throne room was surrounded by a continual surrounded. He uses a word that we would translate stadium, an actual mm -hmm. continual circling into a stadium above that were filled with angels. John says 10,000 times 10,000. Is that an actual number or is he trying to express to us an unlimited number? I don't know it. I don't want to fight the theology on either side of that. All I know is all of these angels continued up. The circle that started around the earth continued to move forward into the heavens. These angels were responding to the prayers of the Father. When they would move to that sea of glass, it wasn't anything to them. It was a membrane. It was a covering. There was something there, yet to them it was nothing. They just go right through it and would go to their assignments on earth. They would disappear as they would go so far away out of view. I didn't know where they were going or what. I just knew this was a part of the activity of heaven in the throne room. So during that moment, the Lord then let me see another event that happens. And people were now passing away and coming up through the glass. Christians that had died were coming up through that sea of glass, and Jesus was welcoming them. How does he do all of this at once? I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> no, I, I can't explain that. He was showing me phases, I think, so I could grasp mm -hmm. what he was trying to teach me. Mm -hmm. Then he would point up where I was and people were up there with me. And I, that's the first time it dawned on me. I wasn't alone. And there are people up there with me. He started pointing and people would call out their names and they would go to those people. And I realized these were friends, family people that had prayed for them, people they had known, and there was a celebration of their entrance into heaven, first by the Lord himself and then by those who had relationship. Everyone knew who they were, but there was something special about earthly relationships that carried forward, especially family. I saw mm -hmm. that happening. Then he shows me this. He shows me a grandmother and a grandfather to the other side of me. They had been summoned to the throne room and there they stood in the same place where I was. And they looked over into the sea of glass. And the sea of glass in this place just began to be wiped and brought forward, almost magnified, so that they could see an activity that was happening on earth. And what they saw was a grandson that was now a young adult giving his heart to God, praying the prayer of salvation. They were celebrating his salvation. And they got to see it, even though they were in heaven. And I, I'm watching. I said, I don't know what's happening. So I'm, I'm not really speaking to God. But in my mind, I'm saying, I don't know what you're trying to show me here. 
he whispered to me, you're in the cloud of witnesses described in Hebrews. The word witness is not just witnessing for what was done in their life on earth. It's continuing to witness and see the activity of God on earth. And they're witnessing this happen because their prayers participated in what's happened. Their prayers while they were on earth were not fulfilled. But your prayer prayed on earth continues to have life in it until it's fulfilled. And so even after you pass away, the only thing that's still active in your life after you're gone is the prayers you prayed. They never stop working until they're fulfilled. And so he was showing the power of their prayer. He was also showing me then these that had joined their family. They had prayed for these and they were now participating with them through death. They're now brought into the fullness of heaven. I was seeing all this happen. He then reminded me. He said, remember in the scripture, in the book of Acts, when Stephen was being stoned and he looked up, he said, I simply cleared that one way glass so that he could see into heaven. And he saw me standing at the father's right hand. He was about to enter and be introduced and see those around. It's that same activity. He said, it's been that way all along. And then he mm -hmm. said this to me. He said, you notice that later in prophecy, when it says, the heaven and earth is destroyed and a new heaven and a new earth is established. He said, notice I destroy the heaven and earth simultaneously and I create a new heaven and earth simultaneously because the interactivity between heaven and earth, between the throne room and the earth is so uniquely designed that one doesn't exist without the other, that one is dependent on and interdependent on each other. So that when I taught you in scripture and I said a number of times when I was on earth, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I told you the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You live in the presence. You live in the kingdom of heaven. You dwell. You are the center of the throne room of God. The whole throne room is built around the earth for the purpose of the earth and all that happens. That's why the feet of the father rest on the earth and the interactivity. So it was quite a moment. Wow. It was quite a moment for me to see all of that and realize it changed how I prayed from that day forward. I and, bet. Uh, I hope it does the same for you when you read the book. Yes, it's so good. Well, it was incredible for me. Like I've too had visions and things like that. And I started to tear up when you started talking about the sea of glass because I've actually seen that. And I had an incredible moment with the Lord and it's personal. It's related to my own ministry and my own calling. But when I had this moment with the Lord and I was, you know, he was asking me to do much of some of what I'm doing now. And he began to actually take me out onto that sea of glass and to dance with me. And wow. it was so incredible. My gosh. Wow. Every time I get nervous, because we're all just out there in above our heads, those of us who are doing the work of ministry. I mean, we're not qualified, right? We know that. And so he's fully justifying. I love the scripture that says he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so it was so incredible to me because as we began to dance on the sea of glass, it was like everywhere our feet stepped, whether it was land or ocean, it was just tiny splashes of water. And it was just absolutely incredible. 
And so I started to tear up when I began to read about that sea of glass and how he's walking on the sea of glass. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. That helps me too. Thank you. It was so amazing, you know, and I love what you just said about how heaven and earth are so interconnected that one can't exist without the other. You know, we often pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that's a whole new level of revelation that they are one and that in us, in Christ, him and us and us and him, we are one. And so we're not necessarily bringing down heaven with force. We're bringing it out. We already are one with heaven. And so that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So you talked about altars and what they kind of look like in the Old Testament and uh, what they are today and how we can still use those altars of prayer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, love to. So the next thing after all that vision would lead to these altars. After that moment I had with God, he asked me this question, what did you learn from all of this? I said, I'm not even sure what I've learned from all of this. But one thing I know is that when Jesus intensified his prayer, heaven became more active. He said he did. He said, what do you think made Jesus intensify his prayer? I said, I don't know. He said, Jesus would step into a place where prayers were being prayed and become a participant in that prayer. And when they prayed in Jesus's name, he began to take their prayer to the Father in a new level and a new way. And when that happened, you saw heaven get active. So Jesus's prayer in some ways, not completely, not totally, but in some ways, is affected by your prayer. And if you want to see heaven move, you've got to pray prayers in Jesus's name that release Jesus to pray prayers of intercession in his authority and in the fullness of his blood that release the work of heaven back to earth. So your prayer is affecting Jesus's ability to pray. The connection between heaven and earth became real to me in that moment. Then he said this to me, He said, of all the things you're going to do in ministry, all the sermons you're going to preach, all the altar calls you're going to give, all the ministries you're going to develop and lead, blah, 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 all of that. He said, you put it all together and none of it has as much weight to it as your prayer life. Mm -hmm. The most important thing you will ever do is pray because prayer moves heaven. What you do moves earth, but heaven should be what moves earth. Then he said this to me, when Jesus, in the time, again, we're back in Revelation, when the scroll is brought out, and this is not in the book, so this is extra. So when the scroll is brought out and John begins to weep because no one was worthy to open the seals, mm-hmm. and the, the elder comes to him, puts his hand on him, says, John, don't weep. There is one who is worthy. It's going to be all right. And he said, I looked up and behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he described him as a lamb who had been slain. It's an incredible moment, a divine moment. Jesus goes over, takes the scroll, and opens the seal. As soon as Jesus opens the seal, the camera, so to speak, moves, the focus, moves from heaven to earth, and it begins to describe what happens on earth. Now, here's what I want us to see. Something happened in heaven, and then something happened on earth. (laughs) What happens in heaven determines what happens on earth. If we want to change the earth, we have to affect heaven. How do we affect heaven? At the altar. 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's our altars that have the greatest impact. They have the greatest impact on our personal lives, on our family, on our church, on our nation, on our world. There is nothing as powerful as the altar. When I got through with that experience, I knew I had to take my own time in an altar. And the altar is just, it's where people meet with God. As I said earlier, my first altar was a steering wheel. So it's not a piece of furniture. It's an activity. <laughs> and we established that process. So when I moved into that altar, boom. So how do we develop altars that we need to move forward? So that's where it became. The first altar, Christina, that we almost build is our personal altar, our private altar. It's so dynamic. And you know, I've said in the book that the key to that altar is, well, how do I describe it? Jesus said it this way. I'm trying not to read the whole book here. Jesus <laughs> said it. He said, go into your room, close the door and get alone with me. Mm-hmm. And what happens in that place of secrecy will have direct impact on what's going to happen in public. Yeah. So he's letting us have a secret place. And in a sense, We enter the throne room in a private place with the door closed. We step into a place of dynamic that literally affects what happens in the supernatural realm that in turn will affect what happens in the natural realm. If we do it in our own strength in the natural, whatever we can do with our gifts and our strength, we can only maintain that as long as we have the strength to keep it in that position. But when we shift it in the heavens and the heavens shift it, then it's changed. The mm-hmm. dynamic of our personal time with God becomes so important. And I'm, I'm just going to say this, that God established some promises to us that are in, in our life that are there for us, but we receive those promises. We release those promises out of the supernatural and into the natural by our prayer. And if we're not praying the prayer, we're not going to see the promises fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make prayer that priority in order for it to become all that God has called it to become. For instance, I use this Old Testament description there. When the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness, God fed them with manna. We know that. But manna manifested, according to Scripture, the way dew manifests. And the Mm -hmm. way the dew manifests is that. There's moisture already in the air. It's invisible, but it's already there. But when the temperature is just right, Mm -hmm. the weight of the moisture becomes heavier than the air and it falls to the ground. And now we have it there. Manna was designed the same way. He was saying that you're living in the spiritual realm and it's already there. Everything you need is already there. Something has to shift the temperature so that that which is supernatural becomes natural. Now it can be partaken of. It can be cooked or boiled or fried or roasted or whatever they did. I don't know if they fried anything, but anyway, they prepared it and they ate it. In the same, <laughs> it's our prayer life that shifts the atmosphere, that moves something in heaven, that allows the promises of God, the daily provision. And that's why Jesus taught us, ask every day for our daily bread. There it is right there every day. Lord, I need my daily bread. How do I get it? I go into my secret place. I close that door. I move into a realm that's the kingdom of heaven realm. It's the throne room participation realm. And as I participate, something begins to happen. 
I may not walk out of there with it in my hand, but as I go about my day, those things I've prayed for will manifest at the right moments. They'll become a part. And I'll look back and say, sure enough, when I begin to be faithful in the throne room, I begin to see the provision of God at a new level and a new way. The wisdom of God came when I needed it. The answer of God came to me. That prophetic voice spoke. The supernatural gift, the finance, whatever it was, begins to manifest in level and in agreement with the level of my time in the throne room. Something begins to shift. That's that personal dynamic. And that's the first altar every one of us should build is that private place with God. It's my mm-hmm. Did you know, I spent a lot of time in the book on that altar. Are you longing for supernatural direction and insight from God to discover the plans He has for you? Do you want to overcome sleep disorders and night terrors? If then, I've got a great resource for you. Author and passionate prophetic minister Jennifer Ivaz's latest book, Awaken the Dreamscape, The Building Blocks to Understanding the Supernatural Power of Your Dreams, is now available. Don't dismiss your dreams. Instead, awaken to God's voice in the night. With this book, you can finally understand your dreams, discover prophetic revelation, and gain new victories in your life. Just for being a Revealing Jesus listener, you get 40% off and free shipping with promo code REVEALINGJESUS at familyownedbakerbookhouse.com. Be sure to pick up a copy of Awaken the Dreamscape today to connect more deeply with the one who never sleeps and receive supernatural revelation from Jesus. Link in show notes or visit bakerbookhouse.com. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, the Lord said this to me one day and it was so profound. He said, we don't spend eternity in the arms of our ministries. We spend eternity in his arms. I like that. And it's so important. Yeah. He says things so well, doesn't he? (laughs) Yes, he does. He's got a way with words. He is the word. That's right. But it's amazing to me. And that's where that personal level of authority comes from. It comes out of that experience. To hear you talk about this vision it changed something on the inside of you. And now you're speaking about it with such authority and boldness. And that's where that comes from, that personal relationship, that personal interaction, that personal time in the throne room. Um, It's amazing to me. And uh, that's how he's designed it. It's a sheer delight and a joy to come to him. And the more that we come with him, to him, the more he rewards us with himself. And it's beautiful. So thank you for sharing. So let's see here. I know that there's just so much more that I want to ask you, but is there anything burning on your heart you'd like to say directly to our listeners today? Yeah, there is. I think that the thing that burns is develop your own prayer life and don't be afraid to make the decision to become a person of prayer. Because our first thought is, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure if I have the discipline. I'm not sure. All these questions begin to come that we begin to say, I can't do that. But yes, you can. All it takes is to begin. Don't set the clock and say, I've got to go pray for X amount of time. Just say, no, Lord, I'm going to come be with you this morning. And just begin to give God the opportunity. Begin to close the door. The book, I talk more about the practical side of it. I I give you that. But just making the decision. going to make prayer a priority. And as you begin to pray, you're going to see things begin to happen. And you're going to realize the power of it. And you're going to enjoy the presence of it. 
You're going to be renewed in his presence. You're going to find a place. When you begin to pray, pick up the Bible, read a little word. Put the word as a part of the process. When I read the Bible, it makes me want to pray. It's the best prayer starter out there is the word of God. Spend some time in his word. Spend time in prayer. Bring your needs to God. He says we have not because we ask not. It's okay to have a need. It's okay to say to God, I can't do this. I need you to. That's what he wants in our relationship. You begin to pray. The other thing is begin to pray for your leadership. One of the altars, you know, I teach them to build, Christina, is the pastor helping the pastor of their church, the person that's a spiritual authority in their life, holding their hands up. And we talk about the fact that Moses, when his hands were held high, the, the representation of the church, which is the nation of Israel in the valley, were winning the battle. When his hands went down, it had direct impact on the battle in the valley. So I talk about the importance of helping your pastor build his altar and supporting him or her in prayer, keeping those hands held high, worshiping God with them, praying for them, undergirding them. The scripture again and again teaches us to pray for those in authority over us because what's happening in their prayer life has direct impact on our lives. It's so scriptural. So I really bring us to the importance of their altar, the pastor's altar. As a matter of fact, the book, I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm talking to you. Sometimes I'm talking to your pastor. I couldn't stay focused on because we so work together in the church with the pastor's responsibility to prayer and ours. And finally, I show the importance of praying together, community prayer, something dynamic about a community altar. And I say this in the book, but I'm going to say it today. You need two altars. You need your private altar and you need an altar that you share with others, a community altar. Because there's the things we do in community, the prayer of agreement that is separate from what we do in private. And we can't have one or the other. We must have both of those altars. And you know this, Christina, but my last altar is the altar for that we build for someone else to find Jesus at. Mm-hmm. The altar we build for someone to find and receive and believe in Jesus. In the church service, it's the old-fashioned altar call. This is your moment. But in our lives, it's that moment where we say to someone else, How would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? And we build that altar, and they pray at it with us. Those are the key altars. I talk about the miracle altar. You yourself have received a miracle, Christina, and healing to God has touched you. I believe that as churches and individuals, we need to give God that opportunity to do it for others. And we build the altar for them to come and a place for them to encounter God and meet God. And those are the altars we cover in the book. And again, sometimes I seem to be writing to the pastor, don't get discouraged. And sometimes I'm writing directly to the reader. But both of those are so intertwined, I just couldn't figure out how to do one and not do the other. As we learn how to participate in the throne room of God, that's what I want to say is start praying. I love that. I love that you mentioned the personal and the the pastoral, the ministry leader. Because I tell you what, ministry is probably one of the hardest things in the world. And it's not for the faint of heart, that is for sure. And uh, you're absolutely right. When you begin to pray for those who have spiritual covering over you, it's impacting not only uh, their life, but your life as well. I'm so thankful for the pastors and the spiritual fathers and mothers in my life. Man, I'm so thankful for them. I've got two of them praying for me right now. (laughs) Amen. I love that. I love that. Uh, So this was so good. Well, since we've spoken so much about prayer. I want to do a quick thing. I know Jesus taught us to pray. 
for those of our listeners out there who maybe have not read that passage or maybe have never heard that, would you teach them how to pray the Lord's Prayer? And then if you're okay with that, would you pray for our listeners after that? Incredible. Yeah, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, I'll help you with this. They actually ask him, Lord, help us to pray. He said, here's how you do it. It's simple. Mm -hmm. First of all, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the moment of worship, recognition that God is the almighty. God is the holy. God is the healer. God is the provider. God is all the names that we find in scripture. He is our peace and our prince of peace. He is our present help in the time of trouble. We just take a moment to remember and declare those things. And, re and remember when you pray, even when you're in your private place, you're actually standing on the throne room with God. You're actually standing on the sea of glass when you begin to pray. And all of heaven's listening to you and celebrating you and cheering you on as you pray. Take a moment. Sometimes I even picture myself as praying with heaven and thanking God in heaven in front of others as I pray. So take that moment. Hallowed the name of the Lord. Mm. Then it says that we should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom of God is God's bringing forth the full force of his kingdom on our behalf. The full force of the spirit, the full force of the power of the word of God that never falls short or returns void, and the full force of angelic beings that are at work as a part of our process. All of that. We say, your kingdom come. We're saying, Lord, this is not going to be left at human level. We want this to become something you respond to at kingdom level. So it's not just the kingdom advancement through souls being saved. It's the authority and the powers and the processes of the kingdom. Remember, we don't operate at a level of human ability and expect it, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Your kingdom come. Lord, I'm praying your kingdom gets involved in this and is increased by it. Then I pray your will be done. That's the wisdom of God, the will of God, the heart of God, the love of God. And I am partly surrendering to the will of God when I pray that, but I'm also praying your will come no matter what's in the way, knock it down out of the way. Whatever is against you, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Bring forth your kingdom and your will. Bring it to the earth because your will is always the best thing that could happen to all of us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it's designed in heaven. And the same way it works in heaven and the mm -hmm. same way it's always your will in heaven, bring that to earth. Then we begin to pray now, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of my sin. Somebody said, well, he's already forgiven me of my sins. Yes, but there's something about that ongoing admittance that I'm a sinner and I constantly need God's forgiveness. And there's always that process of sanctification that is at work in our life. God, forgive me for what I said that I shouldn't have. Forgive me for what's still being purged out of my heart. Don't let any of that hinder me. And the Bible teaches us that unforgiving sin hinders our prayer. And sin that's not confessed hinders our prayer. And that if we have ought against someone, it hinders our prayer, especially your spouse. According to Scripture, especially your spouse. So we, we deal with all of that right there. And then we say, in order to fulfill this cycle, I need to forgive anyone that's offended me. And he moves us right into making ourselves right with others. So that if I've held something to get someone, now's when I deal with it. And then I can also pray now, Lord, I need my daily bread. Lord, I, I don't have what I need in my own self. And the world doesn't have it, but you do. You've already got today's date written on a package made for me that you've put on this day on your calendar for my life. 
And I'm praying that daily package would be delivered. That the wisdom I need, the understanding I need, the supernatural supply, the natural supply, the finance, the health. Lord, I receive that for this day. All of that is in the process. When we get through with those pieces, and he tells us to do this. Ask for God to so direct your steps so that the plan of enemy of the enemy will not be fulfilled in your life. He prays, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray that simple prayer, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in that prayer and I do end up praying an hour, sometimes more, because there's so much to it. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, now while you're there, think about this, think about that, and begins to help me in my prayer. And in those times where I'm praying for his will, I pray over my children. I pray over my grandchildren. I pray over my fellow pastors. I pray over the needs of others. Right now, I'm praying over Israel. I'm praying over those who are both Jewish and those who are Palestinian, because everyone needs the Lord. I pray both sides of that thing. I pray, Lord, your will be done. I pray over Jerusalem. The scripture teaches us to. I pray over Russia right now. I pray over Ukraine. I pray over those places in the earth. Is this making sense? I'm yeah, just simply 100%. saying, in moment, I'm praying the will of God. I pray around the world. It's so easy to do it. And just let the Holy Spirit guide you. You know what I pray? I pray every day for God to restore the American school system back to a place where truth is being taught and not agendas. Mm -hmm. That we see God do something mighty in the school systems of the United States of America. Because whoever disciples the next generation is going to get to determine the direction of this nation. And it's time the church rises up in discipleship and we get back. I could get off on that. If I'm not careful, I'll start telling you all the things I pray. <laughs> but it's in those moments that begins to happen. That's mm -hmm. kind of my process that I yeah. use. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know so many people out there, they're like, where do I start? Where do I end? I love that you said, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. And so a really good way to, to tell what the Holy Spirit is guiding you into is pay attention to what's coming up on your heart, pay attention to things you're seeing in your mind's eye, pay attention to all of those things, pay attention to the Word of God. He's leaping off the page at you. That's the Lord saying, here, here. <laughs> well, so then, good. That's it. That's it. Well, thank you so much for that. Will you pray for our listeners before we go today? Let's do it. Okay. Father, thank you for everyone that's tuned in. It's taking the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you for Christina and her ability and willingness to lead this process. Thank you for the ministry that it's provided to so many so often, so well. But we ask you to do it again. We ask you now to reach out and touch hearts and lives of people. Some, oh God, have been facing some situations and circumstances in their life that they've tried to find a way out on their own. They've tried to get friends to help. They've even went to church looking for something. Lord, what they really need is to go in a room and close the door. I pray, oh God, you would call them to that place alone with you, and you would begin to pour out your anointing upon them and lead them in a place of prayer that shifts heaven, that causes you to walk over and open something that's been held sealed that what happens in heaven so divinely shifts that it begins to shift on the earth. They begin to see their family shift. They begin to see their finances shift, their health shift. They begin to see something change because their prayers have been heard in heaven and you have responded 
those prayers. I pray, oh God, you lead them to a place of, of intercession and intimacy with you they did not even know existed. I pray in Jesus' name, you give mm. them the courage to start that journey and the faith to finish it. In Jesus' name, I pray this, and I thank you for doing it. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so powerful. And I, I know that that's going to impact so many out there. As you were praying that, uh, I was seeing the wave many years ago. I just feel like I need to share this right now. Many years ago, actually, I was giving a word at one of my spiritual father's church. And I was talking about the coming, coming revival. And I saw a wave. And I've heard so many people talk about the wave. But what I saw was a little bit different. This wave was actually made up of the fivefold. And it was mm. made up of the people of God. It was made up of each and every member of the body of Christ coming in power and authority. And what you just prayed, I just saw that wave. And I think if we can just get a glimpse of what God really wants to do with a people all his own, just a wave coming in power. And, and, and the way that we can grab hold of that right now is through prayer. And we can begin to pray with the heart of God. Just like you said, your heart is to see the school system turn back and to lead there. My heart is to see the people of God rise up and become who they were always created to be. And this is for you. This is for you. This is not just for few. It's for all who would believe. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being Amen. here. I learned so much. I am so thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope and I pray today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast in the show notes under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Rick Dubose. And be sure to pick up a copy of his new book, In Jesus' Name, The Five Altars of Prayer That Move Heaven and Earth. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Beloved, let me introduce you to my King. He is altogether lovely. No matter which way you turn him, he is perfection personified. He is velvet and steel. He is meekness and majesty. He is glory and humility. He is kindness and strength. He is altogether lovely. And he is my king. And he can be yours as well. All day long, he holds his hand that you might take that you might turn one step, one grasp, one yes, one breath away from the arms of your loving Savior. Beloved, if you hear him calling today, do not harden your heart. The Bible declares that not one of us is guaranteed another moment upon this earth. So pray this prayer with me today and run into the arms of the one who loves you, who knows you best. Father, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin, for all of the places that I have fallen short, God, of your glorious standard. I ask you now to send your Son into my heart to be the forgiveness of my sin, to be my redemption, to be my righteousness, to be my holiness, to be my sanctification. I ask you 
to forgive me, to cleanse me, to fill me with your spirit, your power, your glory, that I might bring glory to your name, Father. I thank you that I receive all of this by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. I thank you that I am now a child of God, fully forgiven, fully righteous, fully holy in your eyes. And I ask you to help me walk out this life in a way that pleases and honors you, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. I thank you for your love, for your kindness, for your great joy in saving me. And I thank you, Father, and I thank you, Holy Spirit. And I pray all of these things in your beautiful Son's name. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to congratulate you. You are now a child of God, and all things are now yours. Keep listening to Revealing Jesus. Find a good Bible translation that makes sense to you. And keep hearing about our beautiful Savior Jesus. Please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you. And we want to send you a free PDF copy of our New Believer Workbook. Just go to christinaperrera.org slash welcome-home. Enter your email address and we will be happy to send this free gift. And continue to pray for your journey. God bless. I sincerely hope and pray today's episode has blessed you. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation. We are all evangelists of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like this episode, rate it, share it with a friend. If it's impacted your life, let them know that you want it to do the same in theirs. Help spread the word of the good news of Jesus. Subscribe to the mailing list and get episodes, articles, downloads, and more sent right to you. Link in show notes or just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. Again, that's JESUS, 1-833-815-7778. We would love to connect with you on social media. You can find us at Christina Prayer Ministries on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.